Welcome to As the Story Grows. I'm Brian Patton. Today is the 400th chapter of As the Story Grows, and today we welcome Mike D'Antonio from Kill Switch Engage to the podcast. Mike's side project, Death Ray Vision, is releasing their new record, No Mercy from Electric Eyes, today on Metal Blade Records. Mike talks about the genesis of Death Ray Vision, his love of skateboard deck art, the New England metal and hardcore scene, having an opinion on lyrics, and more. I loved getting to chat with Mike about this new record and touch on the legacy of Killswitch Engage. We had a comment on chapter 398 with Tuck from Fit for a King. Bodybuilding Berserker said, Loved this one. Also check them out because of how excited you were about the album. I don't always, so thank you. I'm glad I did. What a great album. Thanks for the comment. Getting to share new music is one of my favorite things about this podcast. Introducing new bands or projects brings me joy. Even with this chat today, Mike has a killer discography, but I said yes to chatting with Mike after listening to the new Death Ray Vision album. It's incredible, and I hope people give it a spin. So thanks for listening, and thanks for checking out that off-road minivan record. I know Tuck appreciates it. So I hope you guys enjoy today's chat with Mike D'Antonio from Death Ray Vision. make you talk about everything you've ever done that's, <laughs> that's a lot of stuff and i have zero memory <laughs> yeah uh, is it let, let's start with this is it weird i asked justin this when he was on promoting the libico record like is it weird when like you're now like the face of doing like the press release and like out there promoting an album or is it just like you've been doing this so long that it's just part of the job yeah, I know. I, I mean, it's it's obvious that I'm more recognizable than some of the other chaps yeah. in the band uh, Death Ray Vision. Um, so I guess that makes makes the most sense. It's probably going to get the most clicks or yeah. whatever. <laughs> um, but other than that, I hate it. Yeah, <laughs> I can't stand it. I wish everyone else would do all the other work and I wouldn't yeah. have to do anything. But that's what it's all about, man. Promoting the record and, and getting uh, people excited yeah. about it. And we are n super excited that it's actually coming out uh, yeah. in a week and a half because we uh, handed it in last October. It's yeah. been seven, eight months of is, waiting for the vinyl to be pressed. Right. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to ask you, did that still a complete cluster of fuck right now? It's so strange. I see people getting them within, uh, getting their vinyl records within three weeks. And then I see people getting them within six months. You just never know what, who's in front of you and how fast it's going to yeah. go, which is a very strange thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I imagine it, the level of your band versus label probably impacts the way that shuffles out sometimes. Right. <laughs> Hmm. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think, I think the higher up you go in the scale of record labels, the longer it takes for things to get out. Oh, yeah. um, I think, uh, the more you do it yourself and we were on, um, bullet tooth for a long time yeah. and, uh, it was just, you know, Josh Gerbel from, um, 
Trustkill Records doing everything. So he could sweet talk people and, <laughs> and he didn't have to rely on anybody else to get anything done. So things could get done super duper fast. I, oh, nice. I really appreciate what he did for the band and um, how far he got us. It's also really cool to be a part of a, a, a company that cares and yeah. that is uh, big enough to get your name out there without really even having to try. Um, and uh, I love the Metal Blade dudes. They're, they're rad people. Like everyone there is super, super cool. So um, it's been a great experience so far. Yeah. Yeah. Did releasing this album on Metal Blade just come from the Killswitch uh, connection there? Well, a long time ago, before we even signed the Metal Blade, uh, Brian, the owner, had come to a lot of our shows and just said, hey, man, I, I'm looking for a new band. So if you guys got anything you, you want me to check out, I would love to check it out. And I believe in you guys as artists. So that's I, it kind, kinda, uh, kind of, I, I guess. Um, if, if, Killswitch didn't sign the Metal Blade. I still think they would have been interested, uh, but it definitely helps. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's just stick with Death Revision here because everybody knows you're in Killswitch Engage and you're in Overcast. But let's talk about Death Revision. Did this project come about uh, after Overcast had reunited and released some music? As you and Brian just being like, "Yo, we," st-, and I guess Pete still want to be like, "We want to play music." Well, we definitely have fun with that. Um, there was a thought in our mind to, to maybe do newer overcast stuff but i don't i don't know that i could i can personally write like that anymore it's just i'm just into different things and and yeah. not like those epic songs that never repeat riffs once. <laughs> uh it's a hard hard thing to write and it t- that's why i took overcast forever to get albums out because it was just so it was incredibly tough yeah. to write all that stuff down I just get it. I get so lost in in how much fun Overcast was back in yeah. the day. <laughs> uh, but in the same vein, uh, I called up Brian. I had a bunch of material that was doing absolutely nothing, and it was in a completely different tuning than Killswitch stuff. It was in E, which is uh, E E drop D, which is what Death Revision prominently uses, and it, it's yeah. sort of reflective of of that old school feel. And yeah. uh, actually, now that I think about Overcast was E too, so maybe that had something to do with it. But it just got that old hardcore new york hardcore feel which is what we were going for that tough guy leeway chromags judge kind of a feel to our our records and so anyways um i had a few songs and i said bry um i'm bored as hell do you (laughs) want to do something when you're not on tour do you want to maybe i have these songs let me send them to you and see what you think he loved them he was really into it and and i said well you know why don't we just do we'll just do like dive bars or just play, play around town, just play local, just do something local and, and just have something to do when we're not doing anything. And he agreed and we got Pete right away and started building the band from there. But it really wasn't going to go much farther than the first EP when we first mm-hmm. when, when first uh, in, when we were in, thinking about what we were going to do. Actually, we weren't thinking about anything. We were just yeah. like, oh, let's just put out this music. It'd be really fun. And it'd be even funner because it's like a new name and mm-hmm. no one will know who it is and maybe people will figure out maybe people won't so that's kind of how it started is just um let's just let's just do it for us kind of situation yeah and uh, it's grown into something a, a bit different but it's still kind of on that line where we don't have to write radio singles uh we can still write exactly for us we got signed to a record label writing writing the same material that we we like to listen to mm-hmm. um it's really cool that other people like it um but we're we're kind of writing for us which yeah. is fun really fun yeah especially at 50 
to be able to still write <laughs> music uh, that you really like uh, and put it out into the world that, and uh, people actually dig it too is, is a really cool feeling. Yeah. Death Ray, Death Ray Vision gives me that charge, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You said you were bored. Is that, that was kind of in that era where like Howard leaves, Jesse's coming back. I know uh, Adam and Jesse were doing like Times of Grace that time. Is that what Killswitch was just kind of? Oh, you're right. You're right. Up, up um, in the air, right? Like It was very up in the air. So much so that I thought the band was over. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe there was even maybe a management meeting where they were just like, uh, you guys want to start new bands? <laughs> uh, now, now's the time. <laughs> so, so maybe there was a little of that thrown in as well. Oh, man. That's it was great. scary. It was, it was really yeah. touch and go and, and frightening because uh, I really loved all those dudes and it was it was unfortunate. Try to uh, get all the help that we needed to for our friends who were yeah. in need, and um, and hope for the best. And uh, luckily, it did work out. Yeah, yeah. What led you guys to Bullet Tooth? Josh is a great guy. Yeah, he really wanted to put out um, the records. He he came at us. Uh, I think I may have just set out, sent out some demos here and there and everywhere. And he's the first guy to get in touch. And um, the most excited. And sometimes you want the most excited guy to be a part of your record. So that just means he's going to want to work it more and, yeah. and help you more and uh, and provide that that level of um, that maybe a label can't provide, uh, just like a more of a friendship type of thing. And, oh, man, we're, we're so screwed. We, we need like a couple records for a show that's going to happen in a few days. Oh, don't worry about it, dude. I'll take care of you. It's that sort of scenario where yeah. it's just really really easy and it was like dealing with a friend yeah yeah you think josh got a bad rap with how like things ended with trust kill and just you know i can't speak to what happened with him in that label Uh, i really i really dug the label i really dug him when he was doing the label i really dig uh bullet tooth i've heard horror stories yeah there's gonna be horror stories everywhere um especially if um if there's a lack of back and forth between you and the label. Um, mm. If you just expect a label the size of Trustkill to do everything for you and it doesn't happen and you get upset, um, shit, it's because you didn't do it right. Okay. Uh, and it's not because the label did it, didn't do it right. So I, I really, it's not, it's not my area of expertise, but he has been nothing but a great friend to me and to the band. That's awesome. That's awesome. Where'd the uh, name come from? Death Ray Vision. Um, I was thinking of the word death ray and just and 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 I was also thinking of those old comic book ads that you'd see in the back of the comics that would say like send a dollar and you get like X-ray vision eyes, uh yeah. these glasses that had like swirls around them. And I, I was just so intrigued by that. I was like, uh, death ray, x-ray vision. Oh, maybe it could be something like that. And I think I had blurted it out to Brian. He's like, that's that's the name for sure. That's the it was a kind of a unanimous thing right, right off the bat. I don't think we had too many other names besides that. It's just um, kind of tells you right off the bat what we're about, I suppose. Yeah. That, that yeah. we're not some peace-loving uh, <laughs> jam band <laughs> from the Grateful Dead era or something like that. We're, we're ready to, to burn your face off. Yeah. Yeah. What led uh, Brian to step down from uh, this current record and cycle? As I, as I had said... Um, it was kind of a local thing. We were tr- really trying to do this as a local band. And when Brian Brian got married and, and uh, inherited a house in Missouri, 
And now he resides there with two kids <laughs> and, a, and a whole family. And it just got to the point where um, it just cost a lot of money to fly him out. And we really wanted to practice a lot more and maybe play some shows that were uh, that were coming up a little bit faster than planning out like months and months in advance. So I just said to Brian, I'm, I'm, I'm real sorry. I, I just don't know if this is, if this is going to work only because you're not in the area. You're such a okay. great front man. You're an awesome singer. I love you. He's one of the few singers with an ego problem <laughs> that I've ever met in my entire <laughs> life. He's just, he's a normal dude. And, and it was really a pleasure being in two bands yeah. with him. And he's very creative. Uh, it just logistically just didn't, it just didn't work. He was just a little bit too far away. Yeah, which is un super unfortunate. I mean, you can still do records that way, but you can't promote a record that yeah. way. Yeah. So uh, we moved on to Jeff Gard for the last record, um, and unfortunately, it didn't. That didn't really work out either. I think we were trying to patch up a gigantic wound with Brian leaving um, with a, a small little band aid in it. And sometimes you don't figure out that maybe it's not as cohesive as you wanted it to be till after you record a record and. We had finished recording on uh, negative mental, mental attitude and, and it just things just weren't really working yeah. like they needed to. So with this this new incarnation of the band, it was around um, the pandemic and we were just, you know, a lot of time on our hands. We started writing a bunch of music. Pete is like a writing machine. Um, we had to just tell him to stop. Stop writing too much material, too much material. How are we yeah. going to find a singer with 150 songs? Because they're just going to look at that and laugh. So anyways, Pete came with the idea of asking Keith Bennett, who uh, old school, hardcore guy, first, probably first generation hardcore guy uh, from back in the day, um, Panzer Bastard singer, bass player for Wrecking Crew, old hardcore band. Uh, just an all-around great guy that we had known and, and just never thought that he would be interested in something that we, us younger kids, were doing. I call myself, <laughs> call myself a younger kid just next to the elder statesman of, uh, yeah. of Keith Bennett. <laughs> Surprisingly, he loved the material. He got right in with us to start practicing, and it's been uh, awesome ever since. He just he fit in really well. He's got this, this great stage presence uh commanding commanding stage presence which is what we really needed yeah after, after leaving brian and uh, trying to figure out how to get that back up and running again and um he really believes in the music he we we kind of steered the ship in his direction so you'll notice some of the new record is a little bit more political than maybe i would deal with uh but that's him he's a uh, he's active in that realm and um he he, he really believes every word on that record. So you really want the confidence in your singer yeah, to be able to speak his mind. Um, so we let, took, let him take the ball and run with it. And uh, we really love the outcome. So Keith might be controlling the band a little bit more than, uh, <laughs> than us these days, because I don't, after 10 years, I don't know if we did a great job. <laughs> so here, so it's a, it's a new beginning and, and we're starting over and, and Keith's at the helm steering the ship. And uh, we're just really excited for the future. We got a bunch of shows coming up um, and then the big record release on June 30th. Yeah. 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 No mercy from electric eyes. Is that a mm -hmm. title that Keith came up with? 
I think it was in the lyrics somewhere, and Keith turned it down as a record title because it was. He said it was too Judas Priest, which is very, <laughs> very Judas Priest. But I yeah. think that's the reason why I liked it so much. And being a graphic designer and a creative guy who likes to hear certain words and certain phrases together, it really gets my mind working. Mm-hmm. That line, that title, uh, just all of a sudden, I saw images in my head, and I started working on artwork. I think I rattled off probably. 13 to 15 different pieces of art within a week, just thinking of that title. So um, it really helped me in that sense and really stoked on that one. Um, The funny thing about the titles of our records, they're pretty funny. They're actually meant to be (laughs) hilarious. Uh, You know, like I said, we were super into New York and New York tough guy stuff. And we're before Keith, we were like the least thing from tough guy that you can possibly imagine. Uh, skinny, scrawny white dudes. Um, but uh, playing up the tough thing was just, it was really fun and funny yeah. for us. So a lot of the song titles people will say in interviews and I just start cackling. I just start laughing because I can't <laughs> believe we named our one of our records. You ain't leaving until uh, we ain't leaving until you're bleeding. It's yeah. Just, Who is saying this and why does he have no muscles? Uh, but now... Uh, Keith, a legitimate tough guy, <laughs> has brought us into the realm of actual tough guy music. So he's legitimized the band, so yeah. to speak, <laughs> which is pretty funny as well. Yeah. yeah. You talked about the album artwork on this and, and being an artist. What got you into art and graphic design? When did that come along in your life? Um, around freshman in high school, I was going to a vocational high school and I was uh, skateboarding a ton. Skateboarding led me to everything in my entire life. It was all due to skateboarding. I was skateboarding a lot and meeting a lot of friends that were in bands, and I wasn't in a band at the time, um, but I really envied the life that those guys were leading, just skateboarding until they could no longer skateboard and then just picking up an instrument and jamming for like an hour and then going back to skateboarding, and that's what I wanted to do. And and all these people needed artwork, and they needed flyers, and they needed stickers, and and I – I was going through uh, this thing called Prevoke, where they show you every single shop that is in the technical high school. And one of them was graphic arts. And I just started doing stickers and, and like uh, making things while the teachers weren't looking and then yeah. giving it to my friends for free and, being, and, and then being super stoked. I was like, wow, I, I think I could do this as long as I can keep it from the teachers <laughs> and have yeah. them not yell at me. Um, I could probably do this for my friends. And if I'm doing it for my friends, why am I not doing it for myself? Why am I not in a band? So that kind of got the spark and the inspiration to, to, it was like, you know, steamroller of skateboarding, graphic design, and then band. Yeah. 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 All the artwork, especially for like Killswitch's discography has always been like phenomenal. And I feel like in the last like year and a half or so there's been a resurgence of like really phenomenal great artwork do you see that in your design that people are willing to take more chances or want something bigger and bolder these days hmm. you always try to go big and bold anyways um i've noticed that with my work i was going too much in so many directions that i need to reel it back in so in that respect, I am doing a lot more, like you're saying, more just bold stuff with a little less uh, accoutrement mm-hmm. <laughs> in the background to make the focus of the reader or the visualizing person uh, more apparent so that your eyes just aren't torn in, in a million different directions. Um, I think it's just the way I'm design, designing these days more more than getting direction from other people. Nice. Nice. 
I'm going to jump over. You talk about being a, a tough guy, hardcore band with this project on, on the flip side, you have kill switch who are kind of viewed as like the godfathers or like creators of American metalcore. Like, how, do you ever think about that? And just like this project you start after overcast, just like how it's exploded. And like, I mean, it's, it's a, a job, right? Like, I mean, it's hard not to think about it because it's really, if you think about my entire career and I've been in band since 1990, Oh, Jesus. Nine, since 89, maybe, <laughs> which is ridiculous. Um, and this is, and kill switch is like the one thing that actually worked. It was like the <laughs> one thing that people liked. <laughs> it's like, Whoa, I've done so many things and, and no one, and I've always just, uh, you know, you can get stuck in that rut of just being like, okay, no one likes anything I do. So I just shouldn't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. um, but one thing actually hit. So, so you're going to see a lot more of me now because I'm going to determine to get another one to hit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you, you know, it's like winning the lottery. You just never know what's going to hit, when it's going to hit, if it's going to hit and if it'll ever happen again, which it may never. Yeah. Um, just feel really lucky. It's like, like winning the lottery really um who's to, it's very subjective music is music it's, mm -hmm. it's it works for some people it doesn't work for other people and when you can get a lot of people to agree that your band is good it's a cool thing it's a cool it's a cool yeah. feeling uh, i never you never think bands are going to last longer than a few years and uh kill switch is on like 23 24 or something like that yeah. at this point it's insane and it did become a job um but it's the funnest job you'll ever have. Yeah. It's like, it's like the coolest thing ever. And uh, being able to have time off from that job and be able to go back to it is refreshing and everyone's super friendly and, and having a great time and still, still yeah. having a great time at it. And I think, uh, I think the day we stop having a great time is probably the day we, we don't do it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Did, I, I hate to say help, but like that COVID break of like, tours getting canceled and things shutting down and being like, Oh fuck, I might never get to play music again. Help kind of bring you back into post pandemic, like viewing it. Not that you didn't think it was special before, but like realizing how special it is to like go out with Slipknot and play giant arena shows. And yeah. You got to really be a jaded asshole to not <laughs> take, take, uh, take all that into consideration and yeah. remember where you're at and why you're there and that the fans created you and if the fans aren't there to see you you're not a band anymore <laughs> that's yeah. it it's the end of that completely so we just happen to have amazing fans that still believe in us even canceling the tour that that we were two days into uh pre-pandemic right as it was hitting and then wanting to come back and see us again uh the next round which i think was like two years later it was a long yeah. time it was more time than i'd be willing to wait for a tour but we just have rad fans that, that really believe in us. And it's, it's, a, it's, it's probably the coolest feeling you can have. Yeah. But yeah, we were, uh, we were supposed to go on a month and a half long tour. Um, right. As the pandemic hit, we got two days in, we had numerous interviews leading up to it. And everyone's <laughs> like, when are you guys going to stop? It sounds like they're pulling the plug on everything. We're like, we're never going to stop. The government's going to have to step in. And the next day the government stepped <laughs> in and said, go home. Um, so I sat on my couch for a good three to four months, mm -hmm. not knowing what to do. I was still in, there's like a tour mode and there's a, a home mode and they sometimes just don't jive whatsoever. I was still stuck in tour mode. So just 
thinking, where am I going next? Oh, I'm not going anywhere. Um, mm -hmm. I can't go anywhere. And let alone, I can't even go to the grocery store because there's no toilet paper. Yeah. Uh, it was a weird, weird thing, but I'm so glad we're out of it. I'm so glad um, it was able to get people to see how crazy that situation was, and hopefully it won't happen anymore. So the record's coming out in a week and a half and um, is really all guns a blazing. Now we have this like juggernaut of a, of a metal blade behind us um, doing the ads and, get, and getting, uh, getting the steamroller of, of promotion going. And, and uh, we're going to use that platform as, to the best of our ability to just play shows and try to sell some records. It's, it's tough to sell records these days, yeah. but I think we have a good product and I, I know we do. Uh, hopefully people can hear it and um we got uh all this weekend we're playing with a uh, legendary hardcore band tree um and then we got the um record release show on the 30th the day mm. the record comes out and uh and a bunch of shows after that we are going to tour as much as we possibly can in between kill switch touring and kill switch is going to be out for a long time in august we're going back to europe for the first time since the pandemic so it's oh, been nice. like three three years and we can't wait to go back uh, and not to keep going back to kill switch but during that run uh we're going to be playing a bunch of festivals and one of them is called bloodstock in the uk and they are going to be doing an art expo for me at an art gallery um in on on grounds so oh, if you happen to go to bloodstock in the uk that festival in august um, i'm going to have a bunch of artwork on display and it's it's a really cool thing to go through old artwork and pick out the crap and pick out the cool stuff and have everyone be excited about checking it out. Yeah. So that's dope. Lots, I, lots of stuff. Yeah. I see all the, the skate decks uh, behind you mm -hmm. or those designs you've done. Not at all. Nope. No, <laughs> those, I just have, uh, those are like uh, probably 85 to 92 skateboard decks. Oh, uh, they were all, <laughs> Some of them original, most of them are reissues because they did a bunch of reissues lately. But I really like getting like three or four of the same deck, but in totally different colorways. I love how the different colors play off of different colorways. Colorways meaning, um, you know, um, different colors assembled into different um, areas. Uh, trying to see if I see any on the wall, but. <laughs> all of like five or six of the same deck, but in completely different colorways. Yeah. And it just, it helps me uh, with design work and just trying to guess color ideas and, and, um, and just come up with different ideas that may not be the norm of your yeah. usual, uh, 
instances, especially for t-shirts. I, I think, uh, you know, the old skateboard decks were all done separated uh, one color each, and it's really cool to be able to pick out those colors and see why they did certain things. And I just love silk screening in general, even though yeah. I've never done it in my entire life. <laughs> yeah, that's like something that brings you artistic inspiration to skate sure decks. That's, yeah. that's your collection of, of choice. <laughs> uh and and you know toys and of, yeah and, i mean yeah, yeah. but uh the skateboard decks in particular help me with graphic design for sure you know if you're like super just stressed on a project you yeah. can just push the chair back have a look around the room reminisce maybe about um you know 20 years ago when you're skateboarding on a really cool deck or or even just look at some stuff from from when you were a kid and just eases eases your mind and then you can go back to your project with a fresh fresh set of eyes i yeah. think a lot of my work uh hinges on um leaving for a day or like putting it away coming back to it later and saying okay i think i know exactly what needs to happen now yeah yeah M music and art are similar in that ways where like Absolutely. You, sometimes you got to step away and just like it clicks and you're just like, okay, that's what it, that's what this needs. I would say that's the most helpful thing, helpful thing I can think of for yeah. anybody is stepping away, especially if you're getting stressed out about it and, uh, and putting it away for a day, five days a week, a fresh set of ears, a fresh set of eyes is going to do wonders for whatever you're trying to do. Or it'll tell you that that thing's crap and you need to start <laughs> fresh and you yeah. start over again. Yeah. yeah. Not everything you're going to do is great. Yeah. So it is yeah. repetition. I'm curious if there's something I hate to like wrap a whole region as a scene, but like so many like killer bands have come out of like the New England scene, you Converge, Cave In, Kill Switch, Shadows Fall. I mean, like the scene is massive. Is there something about that area that just like encourages bands or that used to encourage bands of that nature and just like I don't know, some political underpinning or something or just like skate culture? <laughs> like it's it's funny. I think it did have to do with skate culture. I think it did have to do with BMX guys and and all of us hanging out when we weren't playing in bands or we weren't going to shows. It's definitely super incestuous in that every band member has probably been about three or four other bands that from the area. Um, yeah. Swapping band members is pretty common here, um, or it was back in the day. And and it's really funny that a lot of the kids that I grew up are still doing it to this day. Um, they they learned their avenues and, and, and figured out where they could thrive and keep doing it, which is rad as hell. Yeah. Um, bands like Bane and, 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 um, all the remains and unearth and, and it's just, it's just cool to see their trajectory and, and that they can pull it off in a small little place like Massachusetts. that looks yeah. like a, an arm, yeah. <laughs> a flexing arm. Um, there's definitely a certain style, I guess, that we kind of adopted and maybe we all kind of pilfered as our own. Um, there, there's a uniqueness um, and a similarity as yeah. well to the, the things that are going on here. And at one point um, around 2004, 2006, around there, I was like, wow, I think Boston's like the new Seattle for hardcore. It's, <laughs> it, it's just it was so prevalent and, yeah. and there were so many shows. Um, you didn't think it was ever going to stop but it, everything eventually does slow down yeah. at least. Yeah. You talked about uh, Keith doing the lyrics on this death ray vision record. And you talked about more political than you guys wanted it to be it or not. than you would 
choose to go to me personally previous yeah yeah are there are there moments when anybody's writing lyrics whether it's jesse whether it was brian whether it's keith or you're just like mm, i don't know about that or is you always just hands off or as as a band or are there moments where you're like guys you can't fucking say that <laughs> yeah i'm that guy i'm the asshole it's, it's like dude you're using the same adjective like 10 times is is there a song where you don't use this word uh, <laughs> Um, let's get out of thesaurus and try to rectify this. It's all about, um, stating your point and then mm -hmm. trying to come up with a solution rather than just being the jerk. That's like, that sucks. Yeah. Fuck you. That sucks. Right. Terrible, terrible, terrible. You gotta, you know, people can only take so much of that. <laughs> and I, I've fucking learned that yeah. <laughs> firsthand that you can't be that way. You really gotta, you know, if you're going to come, come up with a problem, you gotta come up with a solution too. So. Yeah. A lot of times I may back off nowadays just because I don't have a solution. Yeah. Or I want people, I want, I would rather have the singer confident in what he's saying mm -hmm. uh, than singing something that I pushed into his mouth. love to see you at the shows anybody who wants to come out uh it's gonna be super fun uh it's got more of a hardcore feel to it more of camaraderie and um more of an underground thing for yeah. sure uh, we're not trying to pose or write hits we're just <laughs> trying to we're just kind of trying to go for the throat and uh and bring some emotion to the table so hopefully uh hopefully you can hear that in the music and um I would just love for people to hear it. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. A, a completely different vibe than Kill Switch, which is big and hooky and like not mainstream, but you know, way more than just like we want to be old school hardcore circle pit it up. Just a, you know, there's a little bit more stress involved with a high profile band. You just yeah. have to make the right moves. And um Death Ray Vision is not a high profile band. So yeah. we don't have to make the right moves. You can make tons of mistakes and still be stoked. listening to As the Story Grows. Our intro music was written and composed by Jeremy Hunt. The As the Story Grows theme is by Bob Nana. If you like what you hear, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a rating and review. If you'd like to support the show financially, you can join us at patreon.com slash as the story grows. Be a part of our community and join the ongoing conversation over on Discord. If you enjoy this episode, share it on social media with your friends. Much appreciated, and thanks for listening. I never felt so young and alive as when I'm diving into a tomb.